You're listening to Things Get Dark. This episode contains mature subject matter and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, welcome back to episode four. I can't believe it. Four of um, Things Get Dark. Yeah, that's the name of the show. And today, my special guest, I'm Adrian Johnston, by the way. I'm the host, S. And today, my special guest is actor, writer, improviser, all around comedian, funny person baby-faced angel with the devil inside sam meyer Ah! hi sam hi adrian i am so excited to be here i can't oh i can't contain my i am sweating (laughs) i am am quivering with anticipation (laughs) my body is ready to pour out all of these secrets that i have held on to for so long. I can't wait to get, like, we got to go right into this. So the very first time I was playing around with the idea of having a podcast like this, Sam, I was, I put it out there on Facebook, of course, and Sam immediately responded and said, I have something to talk about because I experienced it firsthand growing up. And that is cults. So you, I, you say, you use the word cult like in your with your experience like growing up like I, there's no other way to describe what you experienced as a child there are other ways to describe it i think what people don't necessarily realize is like it's very easy to fall into cult territory absolutely uh and so should we just dive right into it and i can just sort of give the yeah uh, so what is the name of this organization so it started off as my parents wanted to find a private school for me they weren't okay. thrilled with the public school system uh, so they found this small independent school called Trinity Academy. And you grew up in Wisconsin? I did, yes. Shaniqua, Wisconsin. Shaniqua, Wisconsin. Shaniqua. Beautiful. Uh, All right. Yes. So this uh, this school, though, was run by a family. Their children were many of the teachers. Um, they'd also brought in sort of various collection, ragtag group of teachers. So it was like a mom and a dad. Like, yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they had adult children that were that were the faculty. Of, yes. Okay. And uh, you know, from the outside, just seems like a small private Catholic school. Oh, it was um, Catholic. Yeah. Well, okay. We st- I start with Catholic, and people are like, <laughs> "I went to Catholic school. I know what that's like." I'm like, "No, you don't." How many How many uh, students were in the school when you attended it? Um. So K five through twelve, I think we hit a max of like a hundred. Oh, wow. Yeah, very, very small. I think I had at most like 14 kids in my class. Wow, that must have been – when were you, when did you first start attending? Like how old were you? I It was first grade for me. So, so you were like six, seven? Yeah, roughly – like five. Even little – okay. So like wow. I, I was there from roughly – from when I was five to when I was 15. Wow, okay. And so why I sort of hesitate to just say like, oh, you just went to Catholic school. No. So a typical Catholic school is connected to the greater Catholic church. Right. There's this overseeing body where it's part of this. It's like you know, a part of the community. Yeah, it's part of the the governmental system of the Catholic church, though. There's okay, oversight. Gotcha. People, 
you know, there are, there are standards. There are <laughs> ways to teach. Um, this was an independent school that called itself Catholic. So they had their very, their own curriculum that they wrote and put into practice that didn't follow any other guidelines, basically. Exactly. Very it, interesting. It was, um, they were using sort of this veil of Catholicism when, in fact, a lot of the individual teachings and practices and the things that went on at this school were very much the uh, conception of the this couple. And really what was fascinating to me, and probably uh, for anyone who has seen my improv, I tend to play a lot of very strong female characters. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of the whole dynamic where the husband, he was great. He was British. His name was Dr. Mitchell. Okay. Um, Dr. Robin Mitchell was this very kind, um, loving, older gentleman. Now is he, are they still around? Like oh, they're, they're still, still around. Running oh, the no, school is, and everything? Yeah. Yeah. As far as I know, he's had some health issues over the years, um, but he was very much the figurehead of the school. He was a very approachable, um, just sort of like your friendly British headmaster. Okay. That's what he called him. He was the headmaster. Okay. His wife, on the other hand, Mrs. Susan Mitchell, was just a force of a human being. There's no Now, was way she to be feared? Like, the, all the kids were, like, kind of, like... Terrified. Oh, my God. You, know, you live oh in constant terror of Mrs. Mitchell. Like, when she was around, like, everybody just kind of sat up straight and... You were on mouth. you were on your best behavior because she was truly terrified. I mean, like, I don't consider myself afraid of any grown human mm -hmm. or like any child human. I don't know. I don't I don't consider myself really to be that intimidated. Fearful, yeah. fearful of another human being at this point. Uh, but I would think twice about entering a room with her. What is the reason why she like instilled fear in you? Uh what did she do? This sort of gets into how she was able to craft and build and maintain this group. Uh -huh. uh, and, and it's the whole psychological side of cults, which is is why they're so interesting to me. Uh, so why don't we start with just sort of like the intake. Okay. And then we'll get to the more Yeah, whatever, wherever you want to go with this. And so it, the the intake was very intense mm -hmm. for this, uh, this school, this group. Basically, with, if you were visiting – you were told or shown that this is the peak of Catholicism, um, that the world outside of this group is just completely morally decrepit. Okay, right. That, you know, that everyone's going to hell, the culture is going sideways, we're reaching the end of the world, don't even get me started on her feelings on Obama. She was a racist. Oh my goodness, um, okay. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah. How did your mom and dad, like, find out about this in the first place? Were your parents Catholic? It was, yes, my parents were Catholic. And you, my mom was going through, my mom in particular was going sort of through like a renewal of faith where mm -hmm. she was looking um, for a deeper religious experience than when she had had up to that point. Um, and it she was, was seeking. She was seeking. She, she was, was looking for something. Very and yeah, much. like everybody, I think that joins, like finds themselves in a situation like that. If you're looking, you will find, you will find 
it's what you're looking for. You're going to find some kind of fulfillment. You're going to join up with somebody and they're, you're going to feel amazing and fulfilled. And then maybe like, you know, it's not always the case, but eventually you might be like, what the hell am I getting myself into with these people? Like, and why? that's exactly what we hit okay. eventually is like yes. um, with a very jarring life event that sort of made us really sit back and say, who, oh what gosh. are we doing here? Okay. But okay. So th- this, this school was sort of pitched as this haven, you mm-hmm. know, um, like this is the best thing you could be doing for your child these are and the, children. These I mean. are the last true Catholics. This is the highest. Um, this is such intense, uh, academic work that, you know, you, it's creating this like generation of super Catholics. Yeah. You would think that you would find like the last true Catholics, like in the Vatican or something, not you in, not in Shaniqua, Wisconsin. Not in Shaniqua, Wisconsin. <laughs> Um, yet there we were, uh, and it was shocking to me because they were at times very plugged into the political structure of the Catholic Church. That mm-hmm. was something that we paid very close attention to uh, because there was always – while we weren't technically like a part of the Catholic Church, uh, sort of the movement of cardinals and bishops was our gossip girl. Okay? Really? Like, XOXO – Cardinal Burke. Um, it was it was so interesting. <laughs> no, wait a second. No, were there bishops and cardinals in the school that were appointed in the school, or was it just no, no, the, no, no, the no. bishops and cardinals in you know within the Catholic organization? Like the for those who are unversed. Yeah, um, I have no idea. Yeah, I'm no, like absolutely. I'm a heathen. So, I was raised. <laughs> I was raised anti-organized religion. Sorry, uh, you're lucky. I'm a fake Methodist. So a bishop. So a priest controls a very small portion okay it's a a, a small community Mm -hmm. a bishop controls a group of those communities Mm -hmm. um sorry i'm throwing things i'm very excited (laughs) Uh, a bishop controls a group of those communities a cardinal controls an even larger group of those communities Uh and then you have the pope yes okay you have sort of right the hierarchy the the hierarchy of the catholic church and so they would attempt to sort of align themselves with the most conservative cardinals, bishops, whomever, uh, as a way to gain validity, I would say. Okay, Recogni- recognition and, and that whatnot. How mm-hmm. would they do that? they just like kiss ass and write oh. letters and stuff and oh, like all honey. the kids would – you'd <laughs> what would you do? You'd uh, line up and like make skits and videos. We love you, Bishop. Let What's me tell you. I learned how to lick ass far before I became a gay. <laughs> oh my gosh. No. So what would they make? What would the Mitchells, the Mitchells make you do? Um, so I was the golden child of the cult. For of course years. you were, of course Sam. I was. I was so good at being in a cult because. You were so obedient. I was. Oh, I was the goodiest of two shoes. They would have, what What are these sort of, they would bring these people in. I don't know how they convinced them to attend. Usually it would be as a speaker for some sort of, mm-hmm. they would have this elaborate fall dinner where okay. they would bring in these big name Catholic speakers and sort of show them the school and demonstrate the students' um, abilities. And so a big one for me was as a performer. And so the school was very well known for its speech and debate team. There okay. Was debate, speech team. Yeah. And the performances. And I won. Oh, of course. I won everything. And so whenever anyone would come in, I would be invited to perform for them. Like monologues or 
what you would know, you do? Like forensics competitions. So it would be a you know, like a snippet from um, from like classic writing. So okay, I did. What were my pieces? I did some. Uh, what's his name? Not Willy Wonka, but Roll Doll. Roll Doll. There we go. Oh, I hate myself a little bit for not. I love yeah. Roll Doll. So I had. I did roll some Roll Doll. I did. So you Ed performed Brown like Poe. the voices and mm-hmm. it's basically like a monologue, like an audition. Yeah. Type so of we thing. would perform like these skits. That is awesome for these people. Um, poetry. Uh, we would do academic decathlons, which I always won. I could just picture you like an adorable, because I mean, you look so young to begin with, but I, I can't know. imagine what you looked like when you were like five. <laughs> but you were so cute. I looked like a in fetus your, in your little uniform. Did mm-hmm. you? Have, you had to wear uniforms. Oh, I take of it. course, we had of uniforms. Course. You, your short pants, extra. Oh, no, they weren't allowed to be short. We were only allowed to wear pants, no shorts. Oh, really? You can have shorts. Okay, no shorts. Um, girls had to wear skirts year round, mm-hmm. um, but like a full, I, I don't know how to accurately just, it was like, it had a top, like a, a romper, a jumper. It was kind of like a long like a skirt. Jumper, yeah. Where it was a long skirt yeah. with like a top that made sure that you were like very adequately covered that you would wear over a shirt. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, with the most hideous print. I mean, it was <laughs> heinous. <laughs> what colors were they? It was blue, yellow, and red. It was a really like like it was like a navy blue base (laughs) Uh with this like hideous. That's that's like whenever I think of Catholic uniforms, like modern Catholic uniforms, like white white shirts with blue navy blue pants. Mm -hmm. That's basically what. But yellow and red, you said. So the 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 jumpers, yeah. These uh, they were they had this sort of like yellow and red. I don't want to call it tartan. But like you know, plaid. sort of like a, yeah. a a plaid sort of feel to uh-huh. it. Ugly, 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 mm. ugly. Um, so you were you you shined as like the I did the and star pupil yeah. that was really good at the debate, and that you would be the go to kid to when these people would visit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely for assemblies. I, I was incredibly compliant and have a desperate need for external validation. Mm-hmm. Ergo, why I'm a comedian, now. right? Um, <laughs> Say no more. From the cult to comedy, yeah. the Sam Meyer story. <laughs> but that was that was looking back how I really noticed um, how it had so many cult like qualities because there was this mentality, sort of that if you gave everything you had to this group, to the cult, mm-hmm. to these, but it wasn't to the to the cult. It was to the people who ran the cult. If you gave all of yourself to them, like dedicated your life to them, Mm -hmm. then you would get this incredible validation. You know, they would say, you were doing everything you need to do to get to heaven. You know, you are our saint in that you are our current saint. You are a living saint. You know, you They would say that to children? Yes. Oh, yes. Now you would have to earn that respect as a kid. As, a, as any as anybody involved in the organization, because mm-hmm. that's kind of like cult behavior 101. And it started in third grade. Third grade. That's so, when they would start. Um, typically, yeah, that's when they would start really assessing. The, the whole indoctrination process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it would start in third grade. And what would happen was um, it would all start with... Uh, getting ranked on academics. Mm-hmm. So they would put out grades and then we had assemblies every morning. Um, 
we're getting very distracted. So try and pull my pieces together. Oh, I'm banging stuff. It's okay. Um, so assemblies would happen every morning. All the kids would gather, like all 100 or so mm-hmm. children would gather in like one room. Parents, Like teachers. a gym or whatever. Yep. Okay. Parents, teachers. Oh, we didn't have a gym. No. No, it was just a large. So this built, so the building that we were in was this converted sort of community center. Okay. That they like gradually did work on, but it was usually pretty hodgepodge. Mm-hmm. And what would happen uh, was we would pray and we'd sort of get like a message for the day mm-hmm. and issues would be addressed. Like a service. Yeah, like, like, a, a... like a short morning service, basically. Okay. Um, and then we'd go off to our classes for the mm-hmm. day. But uh, what would happen at the beginning of a new semester is class rank was announced and recognized. Rank, okay. Oh, yes. We were ranked from third grade onward. That's healthy. It's super healthy. <laughs> And uh, they would call us up one by one to the front of the room. Um, They would go class by class, and they would rank us. Uh, By class or by child? So, like, within the class, you know, like, they would rank us. Okay. And then they would move on to the next class, and they would rank everyone in that class. So the goal would be, obviously, to be number one. Yes. Among your peers. And I was nearly always number one. Oh, my gosh. But it was this drive that if you performed well, you would get this validation. You would get whatever you wanted. So what did the number one student of each class get? They just got they just got they praise just, from Mr. and Mrs. Mitchell. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And yeah. that was... They would get this praise. They would get, they would get you know, applauded, mm-hmm. you know, because everyone's watching this. The whole school and parents are watching this happen. Uh, but it was very much also like a social... It was a social uh, tool, a social gold medal. If oh, absolutely! You will. Like yeah. your family is performing so highly, you know, across so children. The, yeah. So the status. other adults would may would see that, and and that would be, you know, ultimately they would want their kid, their boy or girl, to be number one in their class because that's you know one hundred percent. And it's, it's so as much as the kids were in were sort of expected to perform well. Right. And to, you know, to be these high achievers. Uh At the same time, the parents were expected to do that as well. Right. And so uh, there was a lot of financial uh, irregularities Mm -hmm. that went on with this group where uh, the teachers were all living in poverty. I mean, to, to a T, the teachers were all living in poverty. Now, would they did they have like um, like a compound type of deal where like everybody that you know was employed by the school would they live nearby or they lived together or was it not like not they just really lived in the town and that was it? Not really a compound, but like everyone lived close by. Okay, I mean this is a community and people would move to be closer to the school. Okay, um, and some people would drive. I knew one person who drew. I think he drove like an hour and a half every day. Every day, yeah. Um, each way, you know, to just to be at mm-hmm. the school. Um, parents would make over the years. I saw parents make incredible sacrifices because they felt that this was the only solution for their child. This mm-hmm. was the only way their kid's going to get to heaven. Wow! And they were told that they were told. Um, and so over time, it became sort of this haven for wayward children as well mm-hmm. on top of all the other issues because uh, they were just selling redemption hmm. okay uh, they were saying we're gonna make sure your kid like gets on the straight and narrow and it's going to heaven so like 
kids with like, I mean, older kids with like drug issues or just like violence, like you name it, really, you name it, they brought it in. So was there like a separate class, like classes for those kids or nope. they just, and they just were like put into the, okay. They were just in the rotation. With everyone else. So getting back to the whole rank thing, the entire class was ranked or was it just like the top five best students or the top, you know, three or something like that? If you had a certain GPA, yeah, which we didn't even have real GPAs. The school wasn't accredited. Um, yeah, no, it was a fake school. <laughs> I was just going to ask you it if was, it was accredited. It was not a real school, um, which will dive. remind me about science and math. We'll oh get into that. Oh, my God. I just can't imagine how, like, if you're... I was once told by a disgraced cardiologist that kangaroos laid eggs. Oh, my God. In a biology class. Like, that's my science background. <laughs> Okay. Okay. He argued this with me. I wanted to be a zookeeper when I was little. Okay. I had, yeah. and this is like freshman year of high school. And he's trying to tell us that kangaroos are the only mammals that laid eggs. I was like, excuse oh my me. God. No, I've known this since I was four years old. Like that's clearly wrong. Right. Exactly. Uh, but he was very adamant and told you that that was, did you get in trouble because yes. you were arguing with him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I, what are some other funnies um i got in trouble we had a teacher get disciplined because he told us that pangea was real and that the you know like that the continents, the continents have shifted. shifted yeah um evolution was a huge no-no you did not bring that up okay you did not validate in any way that evolution could exist huh um it was i mean it even was, even to like argue the theory of evolution, like to, to be against it was the, even, you couldn't even utter the word. I wouldn't say that much. If evolution was ever brought up, it was evolution is stupid and wrong. Okay. You know, like that was really yeah. the only thing. Um, but getting back to the parents though, and what was expected of that. Uh huh. Um, and in a funny way, parents and children were sort of responsible for their, their family's behavior. Okay. So if the children were acting out, the parents would be treated differently. The parents weren't in line mm-hmm. with what was going on. The children would be treated differently. And we saw this time and time again. Would they almost be ostracized a little bit? 100%. Yeah. And when people... That's another sure we'll surefire sign of a cult. <laughs> we'll get in there. But um, when people would... There would be these mass exoduses every probably five to seven years. And when people left, they'd be shunned. And we were... Mm-hmm. We, I mean, we didn't use the word shunning. But we were informed that these people were dangerous to our salvation. You can no longer associate with them. You can't associate with them or you risk losing your social status right. in this community, which was everything. It's everything, And yeah. so the parents were expected to go to these ridiculous lengths to prove their dedication to, quote unquote, the church, which was in fact this family. Okay. Um, obscene donations, like huge donations um and not only in money but also in time they were expected to be really like the powerhouse behind all these events that the school would put on and it was I, it was so draining on everyone um i can only imagine yeah i mean it was it was crazy and if you chose not to participate um like i just remember a story my mom told me i was probably in third grade and she was asked to chair 
mm-hmm. the big fall fundraising event, the fall dinner. Okay. Which is probably a big deal to be asked to do that. Which is a big deal, but she was still pretty, you know, she'd only been there. It was our third year there. Okay. She'd never really seen it mm-hmm. much before. Um, you know, she wasn't as familiar with it with other people. And she said, do you know what? I'm too busy right now. I don't think I can do this. Mm-hmm. And our family was very swiftly ostracized. Wow. My mother was cussed out. She was not dedicated. She was not. By by the Mitchells? Like by, by Mrs. Mitchell. Mitch's, M- Mrs. Mitchell. Yeah. And so that was sort of what I was alluding to before, this sort of terrifying. Uh, she was a classic narcissist where as long as you were serving her and sort of feeding her that energy, mm-hmm. you know, you were giving everything that you had to her. Yeah. You were showered with praise. You know, you were you were the best. You were the peak. You felt so good about yourself. Mm-hmm. The second you mildly inconvenienced her, she would unleash this rage. Mm-hmm. This wrath, it was terrifying. It I cried a lot. That's awful. Um isn't that fascinating though because you're you're very intelligent. Mm-hmm. Your mother, I mean, your mother raised you. She, obviously, she's a very intelligent person. Like, I have no reason to believe that she's not. And I'm sure she was educated. You guys mm-hmm. are all educated. And, yep. Parents yeah. are both, parents, my, both my parents have four-year degrees, had great jobs. What like, makes you know. a human being want that so badly? Like, what is it psychologically that just, like, craves? The one thing you can't have is, like, praise from this this like horrible person that just doesn't give a fuck about you or your family. Yeah. But like, and they will, you know, and they'll ask you for the world, but you want to give it to them for something like you what? Do. It's so fascinating. Just the whole dynamic is just so fascinating to me. You know, that was the thing though, is that they created this sense that this community was the world. Yeah. you know, And I've been in relationships, like romantic relationships like that, where like, yeah, I would just go above and beyond to like please this like this person. One one relationship in particular, but it's kind of like that. It's kind of like it's obviously like a, an abusive relationship, incredible, like emotional abuse, incredible emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. And it was the crazy part was like the more that they did that, the more that I and the people, you know, the more that everyone worked. To please them. That's exactly. Because there's just this like salvation and heaven and all of these th- deeply religious like feelings and thoughts and that you have that mm-hmm. you, you know, have from, you know, since the time, the time you're little, well, and what they're they, threatening you with all this. That's awful. It's a terrible thing. And what they were able to do is, and I think why they were so successful is that Susan in particular, Susan Mitchell was able to tie herself to... God. You know, she was able to tie herself to our concept of God and that if we weren't going through her, we weren't getting to God. You weren't having a direct line. So did she like portray herself as some sort of prophet or something? No, that's the crazy part. No, she didn't. And that's why I think that it has gone, a lot of people let it go under the radar is because she doesn't, she will not make an overt claim that she is this, you know, that she is a prophet or mm-hmm. anything other than just a woman who very much loves the Catholic faith. Okay. But but get her behind closed doors and she's extremely manipulative oh, and was, egotistical and takes, you know, advantage of anybody who 100%, will pay attention to her. 100%. And even people that won't pay attention to her. I mean, she was taking advantage of everyone. 
Uh, one of the points I wanted to make earlier, uh, the financial disparity was insane, was insane because these teachers are living in poverty mm -hmm. and this family, is, they constantly have new clothing from Talbot's. Talbot's was their favorite. Yeah. I mean, well, that's, yeah, it's a women's clothing store. It's like mm -hmm. kind of higher end. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They loved their Talbots. They were going to <laughs> Europe several times a year. Um, they were visiting the headmaster's family in England. Right. They were going to Italy. How many children did they have? Um, how many were teaching at the school? They had, okay, so their oldest son was a priest. They had two daughters um, teaching at the school. One daughter as a student at the school, mm -hmm. and then their other son later became a priest, and he taught for a little bit as well. So the, the school is still in operation. Yes. The school, and it's still in the same location as far as you know. Yep. Because it's been, I mean, it's been how they long since? They have no money. They don't have, they ran out of money? They spend every cent that is donated to them. Personally on their own, like, they just take what their congregation, yep. if you will, gives to them. I, that has to be the case. Yeah. Um, and I know that there have been attempts several times over the years where a group of parents will come together mm -hmm. to buy out the school's debt and to impose some sort of regula financially regulatory function mm -hmm. on the school. And it's generally met with, like, this is the work of the devil. You know, that the that God is making you distrust us. You know, that this is... And these are people who are... Very successful business people. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I assume that they're they're on the up and up as far as like taxes and stuff go. Like that's all by the book, or is that just do they get tax? Um, like what is it? Are they tax exempt because it's religious? Or? I honestly couldn't tell you. That okay. was the craziest thing is that finances were very hush hush. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about uh, unless it was look at how much money we spent on this beautiful. New building. Oh, like a lavish, like, you know, oh, like a display a, of like thing. A, unless it was a lavish display of wealth. Uh-huh. Uh, it was, I mean, it, you don't talk about Right. That's you don't like, talk about that. did you see Wild, 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 Wild Country? Of course. It's like the, um, Bagne, Bag, what is it, Bagnish, his, uh, Rajneesh's, um, 30 uh, Rolls Royces. Yes. It was very like, exactly. similar to that. It okay. was similar to that where it was, you know, look at the, the Bhagwan, excuse the me. The Bhagwan, yes. <laughs> it's look at the the bounty that the Lord has provided for us. Mm -hmm. um, where, again, teachers were all living in poverty. Unbelievable. And trapped by the situation because their kids would go to the school for free um, and they would sort of get assistance from the families. So kind of just enough to like survive, basically. And bare minimum. Yeah. Like bare minimum. Interesting. So this woman, like this Susan Mitchell threatened your mother. She threatened everyone. She threatened me. Um, what did I, she say to you? Like what, what was the situation? If you can remember like where you found one? yourself, I mean, were you, did you find yourself like alone with this person as like a oh, child? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, but it didn't with her, it didn't matter whether it was front in front of a room full of people. Mm -hmm. Oh, because I mean, it was just one-on-one. -on -one. Well, the more humiliating, the better, I would assume. Oh, yeah. Especially and, if you're dealing with a child. And I have a very healthy relationship with shame now. Of course, I'm sure. But oh, my gosh, I can't even imagine. I remember so many instances of her unleashing this rage, you know? Where screaming, she, yelling. Screaming, yelling, tearing you apart. She was a very intelligent woman. I won't rob her of that. She wasn't stupid. Yeah, mostly, she, most, like cult 
figures are, mm-hmm. you know, megalomaniacs exactly. are, narcissists are mm-hmm. intelligent. And that was absolutely what she was. And so she would attack your work ethic, your value as a human being. She would scream at you that you were risking your salvation, that you were risking the salvation of, I remember once she told me when we finally left, um, she targeted me as being the one that was leading my family the reason, away. Yeah. The reason my family was leaving. And I remember, uh, complicated situation, but we were on a bus. Okay. And she cornered me in the back of the bus in front of probably 20 or 30 other people from the cult and screamed at me for about 15 minutes about how I had damned myself for eternity. Oh I was God. 15. Oh my God. I was 15 years old. Um, talked about how I damned myself for eternity and how I was now responsible for my brother's and sister's soul uh-huh. and that I was going to be responsible for them being in hell with me. So what, okay, how many siblings do you, you I have? Two. Two yeah. siblings, a brother and a sister. Mm-hmm. And were you the oldest? Yes. Okay. So why, what prompted that? What prompted her, like her singling you out and screaming at you and cornering you on a bus? Nothing other than the fact that I left. Okay, gotcha. Um, I had to go. There was a there was a trip that the school was taking, so I got out before my sister. Uh huh. Um, and I had been supposed to go on this trip anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went to take care of my sister. I didn't really particularly want to go, but I was like, you're mm. like a chaperone. Type Essentially, of thing? yeah. Okay. Um, she's two years younger, and I didn't want her to have to deal with the intensity of a trip with this woman. Yeah, alone. Solo. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly since I was out and she wasn't, so she had several more months, so I was trying to take the heat for my sister. And I did. I also beat a kid with an orange on that trip. You left... You left and then came back for this trip? Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was gone and then came back to help my sister out. So tell me... Okay, I see. So I see why she would corner you like that then i mean in in her mind anyway not that that's at all justified Mm -hmm. but how did this whole process work with your family eventually wanting to get out like i mean i assume everybody's out now yes yeah they're all out so one by one shunned yes um well it started it it was a combination of events Mm -hmm. um so my family went through a really traumatic accident uh, in which my dad was paralyzed Oh my goodness, uh, right before my freshman year of high school. Oh, thank you. It's fine. We've covered it. We're, we're, we're dealing with it now. Yeah. Um, but my dad was paralyzed and had some brain injury, which was really intense, uh, of course, an intense oh emotional experience yeah. for my family. And that was sort of a shock to the system. You know, life was not the same as it was before. We didn't have this because for the first probably eight years that we were in this, in this group, life was good. My dad's business was doing great. Everybody My was siblings happy. and I were getting top grades. You know, we were doing what God expected us to do. Okay. And we were being rewarded for that. And your mother was happy. And my mom was happy. We were all happy. Okay. Really, we were all. I mean, we lived in constant terror of Susan Mitchell. But right. We were, but we were happy. You know, it was we were all doing what we needed to do to survive I and see. to to excel in this mm-hmm. group. And so it was great for us. Okay. Uh, I'm not lying when I said I was really good at being in a cult. Yeah. It was uh, a rewarding experience for everybody was. involved. It really was. Um, but then after my family's accident, mm-hmm. there were some cracks exposed. Um, 
I was <clears throat> very emotionally distraught for good reason. Obviously. Um, <clears throat> and I was not performing as well. And there were literally other parents who were like angling their children in to outperform me yeah. in these various areas. Um, <clears throat> on top of that, there were a lot more at this point, a lot more of these sort of wayward teens being brought into the school. Um, so there became this political fight mm -hmm. between these new people coming in and their much and the, the OGs that looser, wanted to be. Yep. And then yeah. the OGs um, who were getting outnumbered and bullied, um, yeah. you know, and really, really sort of put down in the family. Uh, the Mitchell family didn't really do much to stop that because these new families with their crazy kids were bringing in a lot of money. Yeah, I would imagine a so. A huge amount of money to keep their terrible children. Like this was like the last resort school. Right, right. And they brought When in, nobody else wanted them, the Trinity Academy would take them in. Exactly. Gotcha. Because they saw dollar signs. Mm -hmm. I, because yeah. they saw dollar signs and they needed dollar signs. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, these families paid, from from what I understood at the time, these families paid a lot of money. Are we talking like tens of thousands, hundreds yes. of thousands? No, we're talking, I mean, we're easily talking, oh, I'm trying to remember back. I mean, we're talking like tens of thousands of dollars a year. Okay, yeah. Um, per child, mm -hmm. you know, and they're bringing two, three, four kids at a time. So there wasn't any like outside, there wasn't, I mean, obviously not outside counseling, but like they weren't. They didn't have like group meetings or anything like that for these kids that had all of these issues. In terms of like a therapy or special education, no. Right. Okay. In terms of I'm going to pray over you. I am going to. Did they do the laying of hands? Oh, and honey. You speak yes, in tongues? Did. Um, only if you were like super cool. <laughs> um, only if you were like super culty. Which wasn't, that's not a Catholic thing. Speaking in tongues, is it? Like, it's not an expressly Catholic thing. Right. Uh, but it's not outside of the realm of possibilities. Okay. Um, and I, I have seen that happen more than once. We, they would, we, I have seen the healing priests. I, you know, I've seen it all. Okay. Um, and they would put these new kids through that. And we would watch. And would the new kids totally like go for it and be, or would they just be like, this is stupid? Like, sometimes this, is, this they doesn't would make go, any sense. Sometimes they would go for it. Sometimes they wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. And I, did that have any influence on you as a kid watching? Oh, yeah. Are you I'm sure it me? would. Because I like, was up there laying hands on people with everyone else <laughs> um, because that was what. Like, that's what you did. Well, yeah, that's all you ever knew, right? Yeah. Like, like that's what five. you did as, like, a member of the community. Is like, yeah. Like, I was – that was sort of – there wasn't an official group for doing that. Uh-huh. But it was sort of like, if you're part of the inner circle, you get to participate in this. I see. You okay. are the holiest, mm -hmm. you know? I was I, – I think I was in first or second grade when they started telling me I was going to be a priest when I grew up. Oh, my gosh. Um, I mean, it was like, you're clearly meant to be a priest. That's what I thought I was going to do for a lot of my life. Wow. Um, just because I performed well, mm -hmm. uh, it was, yeah, quite unbelievable. The, uh, yeah. So it's Trinity. So it's a school, but like, so, yes. but we had, I mean, we had church there. 
three times a week. So church, minimum. church is just going to Trinity Academy. Like, no. Or what is church? What is the name of like the this offshoot of Catholicism? So it was a Catholic mass. So they called it. Catholic. It was mass. Oh yeah, okay. they called themselves Catholic. Okay. Um. So we would have mass three times a week at the school. Mm-hmm. Um. As well as quite a bit of, and they would bring in these very questionable priests. I am not here to impugn. I, from what I heard, these mm-hmm. were retired priests, several of whom left under left the Catholic Church under dubious circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's, and, it's all well, the, it's not even it, what's going down in Pennsylvania right now, right? Not like, even that's sexual what, assault. No, okay. Um, <laughs> But, but although although there were a lot of – the priests were pretty much kept separate. They okay. Were, there were no full-time religious faculty. So there was – yeah. So you didn't have like a relation – like you didn't strike up friendships or like uh, any kind of professional like oh, relationship with there a were priest. A few. There were a few. There okay. Were, there, were, there were two priests, one of whom died. He's my Latin teacher, Father Bruce. Loved that man. He was not here for the bullshit. Did you have um, confession? Like a regular oh, we Catholic? Regular okay. confession. Um, so think of everything that a Catholic might do. Yeah. And then do that every day. Every day. Okay. Um, just about every day. We had confession once or twice a week. Um, adoration, which is where you sit in front of, you sit and pray in front of a consecrated host. So Catholics believe that's the body, of, the literal body of Christ. What is a consecrated host? Um, so if you've ever seen like a movie or TV show of Catholics where they have like the wafer. Oh, yeah. Like taking communion? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So like, a, like a communion wafer, but usually bigger. Okay. Um, and so we would sit and pray in front of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, we would have a Catholic mass three times a week minimum, more. Sometimes if there was a holiday or you wanted to go. I mean, there were a lot of options available. Okay. Um and the priests, again, sort of dubious, where did they come from type of thing. Uh, like they just hired them from the outside, like they hired them to come in and then you would never see them again? Or? No, like we literally like don't know. Where. So priests are, again, like a like a school. Right. Priests are also usually attached to a parish Absolutely, or a yes. religious order. They're, they're attached to a larger body. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these priests were just sort of free floaters. Hmm. Like, where did they come from? Who and nobody knew. To? Nobody knew the answers. Except, no. Yeah. Okay. Um, Interesting. And, and so you brought up the the concept of sort of like sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, from my understanding, there wasn't anything. There were no rapes. Okay, but w- was there inappropriate behavior? But the male teachers in particular uh-huh. were incredibly inappropriate towards the female students. Okay. Right yeah. out in the open. Um, they were very inappropriate towards them in terms of comments, you know, flicking a bra strap or like snapping a bra strap mm-hmm. or, you know, giving them a little pat on the ass or, you know, it was very, very handsy mm-hmm. with these female students and nothing was done about it. And there would be, you know, people would complain, and it was very quickly silenced, um, any sort of sexual misconduct. And I actually know there were people who experienced sexual abuse while part of this group, mm-hmm. not necessarily at the school. Not but because you, of, but, you know, they just happened. But sort of in, conjun- mm, in conjunction. I wouldn't say with. not because of, because there were, there were a few, I think, that happened. But yeah. You, Within the community. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, I know for a fact that some sexual abuse happened within the community. Mm -hmm. 
and it was very quickly silenced um, because these were good Christian people. Oh, well, yeah, of course. They were on the yes. ark. They were doing what they needed to do. And so you get all these levels. I think now you can probably see a little bit why I'm saying, well, it it's not like a famous cult that you may, might have heard no, of. No, no. All of these techniques, all of this manipulation, all of these things that they would do. Oh, I think it falls right in line with, yeah, it's obviously a cult. I can see why you call 100, it a cult. 100%. 100%. Yeah. It's all, it's all of, it's all there. And that's, oh, and uh, yeah, we didn't even get on the racism yet. Well, wait, did you guys have like any specific diet? Like you, did you, when they like serve food at lunch at the, in the cafeteria, was oh, it no. anything specific or like? We didn't have like, a cafeteria. No? Sweetheart, we ate lunch in our classrooms. <laughs> because like, because there wasn't any money, like you just brought your own food or? Yeah, it was so small that there were any amenities that you would normally, uh, you would normally give to a school, expect at a school, just didn't exist. I mean, it just wasn't, they just weren't present there. It was, I I mean, it was a cement rectangle with rooms. Unbelievable. I mean, we didn't even have lockers. So tell me some more about, about this the racism. Horrible woman's racist, the racism racist tendencies. She hated. I just, one of my favorite topics is all the things she hated mm-hmm. because they're now a lot of my favorite things. Um, for example, black people in Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, I remember one speech meet we went and she started screaming at the, it was at an inner city school in Milwaukee, screaming at all of these black kids who were just there having fun. Like she came into their space and was like, this is not how you should be behaving, uh, you know, calling them wild animals, mongrels from a young age. Oh my God, that is disgusting. It's terrible language. Um, These were so just like, please, apo- I'm like apologizing. That's how I was raised though is, I mean, I, a lot of the people that I grew up with were uh, collected Nazi memorabilia, Nazi sympathizers. You're kidding. Um, they were encouraged to do that or they just happened to be... Involved were, in like, just in, interested in white nationalism and the Third Reich and whatnot. They were not discouraged. They weren't discouraged. Um, okay. I remember Susan once said, there's nothing like a well-trained black, but otherwise they are wild. And she said that wild in front of a classroom a full of children. It was a classroom full of sixth grade children. You know, like it's, it, there were, the school was almost entirely white. Unbelievable. Um, we had a Filipino teacher. Um, and that was it. I mean, there was, I had, I did not know an openly gay person until I was 16. Um, I, I mean, and on top of that, the things that she said about gay people, hell is full of gay chefs and actors. You know, if you come out, you're, if you choose to live this lifestyle, you're going to hell. Right. Now, Sam, you were openly gay man. Super gay. Yeah. So how did that work? Like, were you, when did you realize, you know, when did you come out? So was it I during knew, this time? I, um, it actually was part of the reason that we left. Gotcha. Um, not my coming out process, but it was. Um, I figured out what I was gay when I was fourteen. Okay. Um, and again, as someone who had never had an exposure to a gay before mm-hmm. or seen any represent, I mean, but it was like I knew to a degree, like from what we had read in the catechism, like, oh, I have this, Mm -hmm. you know, this is like, it was some sort of illness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's awful. And I, it, I mean, plunged me into this terrible dark depression, um, which is part of the reason that we left is that I was just so unhealthy. I was falling apart. 
yeah. um, and just miserable and like couldn't really put words to it. Okay. And so my parents made the decision to move me and then my siblings after me because okay. it was just wearing a year and a half after my family's accident, we moved. And Hold that thought. Yeah. We're going to take a break. Okay. And then we'll come back with the conclusion and how you and your family finally got out of this. It's fascinating. Fascinating. I Thank love you it. so much. Cliffhanger. Thank you. Yes. Cliffhanger. Okay, we're back from break, and you were just about to go into the whole exodus, mm-hmm. like the uh, shunning process, if you will, about leaving Trinity Academy Absolutely. in Shaniqua, Wisconsin. In Shaniqua, Wisconsin. Um, so first to sort of set the scene of like how high tensions were at this point. Um so the school would take yearly trips to Rome mm-hmm. as like this religious experience mm-hmm. that everyone had to participate in. And tensions became really high, actually, when Obama was president. The school was sort of on high alert that this is signaling an end of times. Everyone needs to be locked in. Okay. Um, I remember we went to a, a church uh, in Italy where there were what were reportedly apocalyptic paintings. You know, these are supposed to be prophetic paintings of the apocalypse. And I remember them pulling me aside and looking at it and say, look at that photo. Look at the betrayer. Doesn't that look like Obama? Hmm. Doesn't that look like Rahm Emanuel? And these are like paintings that were thousands of years old? Thousands of years. Yeah. Wow. Not thousands, but like, you know what I mean? I mean, could have easily been... A thousand Cent- years old. Centuries old, yes. yes. I mean, <laughs> if nothing else, like many, many centuries old. Uh, and so there was this sense that things were high. The whole time we were there, it was continually heightened that like, this is the end of times. Mm-hmm. You need to be here or you're going to be lost. You know, and they would they would point out these paintings and this apocalyptic art and revelations and say, look at all the terrible things that are happening you know, the world is crumbling around us. You have to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I remember I was driving home one day with my mom. It was just us in the car. I, and she told me, she's like, so your dad and I are thinking about moving you away from the school. And I cried. I cried so hot. And it was like this weight of all this time was sort of being lifted off me. You didn't think she was ever going to say anything like that or that no. that thought was never going to occur. But also that that thought didn't even occur to me is that I was so miserable, literally falling apart at this point from my family's trauma, from things being heightened, from these sort of from intense bullying, from these students who shouldn't have been there in the first place, should have been kicked out of school long ago. Um, And so it was sort of all these things combined and feeling very trapped, but also that I needed to be there. And so part of that pain was just releasing, um, releasing a lot of pain, but also just being terrified of separating. Yeah. You know, like what's going to happen to me? It's all you've ever known, right? It's all I've ever known. Um, and it was part of me saw it as a positive thing because I knew I knew that I was gay. 
at that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't really want to admit it to myself, certainly not to anyone else. Um, but I also knew that I was very drawn to the arts. And outside of the school play, mm-hmm. uh, never musical because, ew, because the gays do musicals. It's just too flamboyant. But too flamboyant. Yeah. But we would do straight plays, and it was usually a selection of three shows that would rotate. Um, Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap. Um, <laughs> the Importance of Being Earnest. Mm-hmm. And Pygmalion. Oh, and also Our Town. Sorry, four shows. Okay. Our Town also yeah. featured heavily in the rotation. Very, very white, very Americana. Mm-hmm. Just very... Pygmalion, you're like, you're stepping in dangerous territory because that was like mm. the whole My Fair Lady but Dr. Mitchell, <laughs> But Dr. Mitchell was British. <laughs> so. True, okay. Um, <clears throat> but I, you know, I wanted to explore music and I wanted to explore dance and I wanted to, I wanted to do all of these things. And it was the very association to those things um, was to open oneself up for critique for being gay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, anything outside of sort of like a a liturgical performance. Mm-hmm. There were no organized dances of any kind. Oh, we did. We had a very sad homecoming dance. Oh, my God. The music was heavily censored. Mm -hmm. And so it would consist of, you know, students having a great time and dancing. And then one of the the Mitchell's children, because they didn't, the doctor and Mrs. Mitchell did not come to the school dances, Mm -hmm. but their children um, shutting down the music, making sure there's appropriate space behind you're between the students, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. making sure that it was adequately lighted. Yes. You know, very, uh, very regimented. Sure your attire was checked at the door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, every, I mean, there was just. Every, every inch. Yeah. Of kids. Oh, yeah. Kids. Yeah. Um, so we're in this environment and I, I, I feel this huge release and I, there's all these things I want to do. But still it was terrifying. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was truly terrifying. And as soon as, I don't even know how they caught a whiff of it. Um, but as soon as my family started to doubt the Mitchell family really homed in, Mm -hmm. um, and they came after me very intensely and they had teachers coming after me very intensely and they had other students trying to, um, were they taking you aside? I'm sorry to cut you up. No, not taking, uh, uh, not throw me off at all. Yes, they would take me aside. They would have special conversations with me. You know, they would Well, who the hell me, wants to be a part of, like, oh, God, I couldn't mm-hmm. stand but that. But that was normal. But it was normal. There was one There was one hallway. Okay, like in my, yeah. in the high school, um, oh, I didn't even bring up uh, trailer classes. I had classes in a trailer uh-huh. for a minute. Uh-huh. And then eventually there was a permanent building that had one hallway. Okay. Um, so they would pull me, teachers would pull me aside, you know, the Mitchells would pull me aside and be like, well, we're planning for the future. You know, are you going to be here for that? Yeah. Uh, you know, say we have all these plans based on you. Are you going to. Because we need you. Because we need you. Are you going to change the course? You 15, 14, 15 year old child. Are you going to change the course of salvation? Oh my God. For selfish reasons? Um, are you going to change and are you going to do something to damage this incredible community we've built here? I think that they probably, they saw you as a threat. Not only, I mean, I was their greatest asset. I was the 
I was on their website until just recently. You're kidding. I mean, years, what is this? Almost 10 years later. I and we're not, yeah, and, and just speaking on that, we were discussing this earlier. We're not going to, like, say anything, but you you know the name. And all of that information is still out there on the internet. But I, I think that when, you know, the episode airs and everything, like, we're not going to, I'm not going to repost anything or any links <laughs> to anything. But if you want, you know, it all checks out. This is all 100% true and accurate. Mm-hmm. And there are, it's, it's, it's interesting because I've had conversations with people who have left Mm -hmm. and it's usually people who left before they graduated 12th grade. Okay. And people who were able to get out. With their parents as well? Yes. Yeah. With their parents. Um, Although many of us who got out have had, there have been significant family issues we've seen from the family, not even people who got out, but even the families that were there is the, um, Emotional turmoil that this put on families has caused a lot of the kids to just go crazy. I yeah. mean, there's no other way to put it. Is they went nuts. There have been uh, there have been suicides. Yes, um, yes. Simply because the environment and the culture that this created was one of um, there are no problems, right? And if you have problems, then you are a problem. Well, it gives you, and I think, you know, I like, I, I have no idea what it was, must have been like, but it must have given you a very warped sense of the outside world. Like there, there was no, like you didn't have a, a, a good grip on reality. When I left, I was terrified. Mm-hmm. I was terrified of black people. I was terrified of gay people. Yes. I was terrified of wearing a lot of different types of clothing. I basically, for the rest of my high school career, I essentially still wore the uniform. Yeah, I mixed in a few different colors, but like I, I was terrified of clothing. I was terrified of one of my favorites was Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Was sort of the epitome of the evil outside world. Mm-hmm. Um, proud Slytherin now, but at the time. Uh, I remember there's this one story that Susan would tell. She was a big girl and she had, she was older. And so she had sort of that dangly mm-hmm. on her arms. So when she would get really excited about it, we would say she was waving her Holy Spirit wings. <laughs> I wouldn't because I was, I was a goody two shoes, but the, oh, the bad man. kids, she would wave her Holy Spirit wings. The arms would just flap. Mm-hmm. And she had this one story that where she would sit down with uh, Cardinal Raymond Burke, who is, um, for those of you who don't keep track of the politics of the Catholic Church, <laughs> um, he is known for being one of, if not the most conservative cardinal yes, in, the, okay. in the hierarchy of the Catholic Church. Um, and has actually recently been, fairly recently, um, been sort of assigned a, um, what's the word? Sort of like a, a signatory role, not signatory Like a promotion role. of you? like No, like- not a promotion. It's not a demotion, but he's been... His power has been severely. He's even put out to pasture, kind, kind of, of yeah. in the in the era of Pope Francis, because he is so intensely conservative and um, unapologetically so. There is no this this is not a merciful God cardinal. He must hate Pope Francis, <laughs> which is why I think that he was moved <laughs> yeah. to the to the <laughs> island of Malta. He was moved to Malta. So this but, man actually came to your school. Oh yeah, he was very popular. You're there. kidding. And he 
so Susan would tell this story though, where she, I was at dinner with Cardinal Burke and I brought up the topic of Harry Potter and he slammed down his fork and knife on the table and he said, it is evil. It is evil. It is evil. It is Satan. It is evil. And then he picked up his fork and knife and continued eating. And she would tell that story over and over and over. And I was on the plane back from Italy. And there were some clips of that Harry Potter movie playing. And I saw it. And it was evil. And it was dark. And all of it was terrible. And if you allow yourself to view that kind of uh, a film, if you allow yourself to view that kind of media, mm-hmm. you are damning yourself to hell. Mm-hmm. Tells this to a group of 14-year-olds, okay? And even younger. I mean, it, it didn't really have Yeah, well, it's, and it's the same kind of concept as like, like my generation with the Smurfs. People were threatened, like there were religious organizations threatened by the popularity of children watching the Smurfs. And do you know why? I'm sure you've heard about that because yeah. we we talked about that in, in in I think episode one, but it's a you know pop culture phenomenon. Kids like it. Kids want to talk about it and read about it and watch you know the movies and the TV shows and stuff. And it's just a big it's a big fucking threat. Mm-hmm. It's a threat. Oh, yeah, I mean. I saw it happen. Harry Potter was probably the longest standing one, but Pokemon, <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh, and these grown these these adults, these grown ass people are threatened by Harry Potter by a by a cartoon or by a movie. Or Fucking a book. ridiculous! It is ridiculous. <laughs> um, so, needless to say, though, at the time that we were exiting, uh, things were tensions were at an all time high. Yeah, my family was sort of this. Uh, the golden family still, even though my dad was injured, that almost increased our standing a little bit or no, increased let me ask, our places like a symbol. Yes. Now let me ask you this. Well, because, you know, I, I think he, was he kind of um, put on a pedestal as a result of his accident as like a oh, kind of yeah. martyr type of figure? 100%. And they all gathered around, did they help your family get through that time or was it, were they respectful of your space and like the time that you wanted to have together as a family to heal from this tragic event or was it what how did that happen like what how did that play out it sort of changed from us being an integral part of the community and you know to more like figureheads almost Mm -hmm. sort of this like symbolic representation of um the power of redemptive suffering that like our suffering means something and that you can offer it to God and it's being given Ooh, to us yeah. for a reason. That's a good way. Let's, that's a good way to sell the Meyer family. Yeah. And that's like fucking marketing. Like it's it like, is. that's a total like angle that they had on you and your family. But we were this family that survived this trauma. Yeah. We were living with these difficulties and um, look at how strong they were. Look at how they don't crack. Oh, I under would. Pressure. I would resent the fuck out of that. And, well, and that's <laughs> just... why that's when things started to really change for us, um, is because we weren't really people anymore. Uh, yeah, you know, it, we were these symbols. You know, we were this so... marketing tool for the school. Oh. So when my parents, yeah, your picture was on their website. Oh. Always. I was always in, and, and, you know, they capitalized on the media opportunity of my family's accident. Oh my God, Sam. Um, They, (laughs) you know, they were, they were all over it. And so in the year and a half after my family's accident, it was very, there was a lot of changes going on 
the situation in school, all-time stress. Paranoia at an all-time high with... Everything. Yeah. With everything. It was the end of the world. And so when my parents decided to move me, I cried a lot. But um, that was, you know, sort of my way of saying goodbye. Uh-huh. Without because I, I my because my parents told the words that followed out of my mom's mouth immediately after that were tell no one you cannot tell your friends you know you cannot tell a you cannot talk to anyone about this mm-hmm. because what will happen to our we knew that when we left our yeah. relationships would change and they very much did um, and my mom and I received the brunt of it because we were sort of the most active mm-hmm. members. Um, and my, were you the first to leave? I was the first to leave, yeah. And then my mom hung around for a while with uh, your brother, and with sister. my brother and sister. Yep. Um, and we were cursed out, screamed at, um, told terrible things by people we'd known for ten years longer. Yeah. In some cases, um, just about everyone we knew at that point who was still invested in the school like really invested in the school um cut us off these people were my little brother's godparents Ugh. you know yeah like long-standing family friends again yeah people we had known people for. that you counted on and could you know probably knew everything there was to know about you and your parents yeah. and your family that's the, the family of um it's very i'm sorry go ahead oh no i was gonna say um one of the like again, like godparents of my my little brother, or for example, um, I had a informally had a wife picked out for me. Oh my god! And uh, the the family of my future wife, mm-hmm. you know, took down my parents mm-hmm. and nasty, nasty rumors. Um, not in, and that was that was our whole social circle. I mean, that was. Ninety-eight percent of the people that we knew in the world, and you were fifteen years old. And I was fifteen years old, and they just said all of the terrible things they needed to say, and then they shut us off. And you went back to public school after that. I did not. I was too scared to go to the public school that was three minutes away from my house. Okay, uh, which was one of the best public schools in the state. It was great, but public school was probably the most terrifying yeah. thing that I could ever do. I'm glad. That, I guess I'm glad that you weren't thrown into that it probably would have been more helpful looking you think so but i went to i went to another catholic school okay um and it was a good cooling off period yeah i could see as like you know like from your parents perspective that would be too much of a oh i chose that they gave me the choice you wanted to okay and i was so terrified about going to public school that it was i mean it was I, I couldn't even conceptualize it. I understand that. For me, yeah. that was a den of... That would be like me getting put in a Catholic school like yeah, when probably. I was 15. I, I would mean, be terrified of that. Exactly. It would be terrifying. I mean, it was there were these stories of just how awful... I mean, the outside world was so scary. Mm-hmm. Even this Catholic school that I went to, there were so many rumors about how disgusting and morally bereft... You know, and just how this school was the worst place mm-hmm. before public school, and so Trinity, like, you mean, was like had rumors swirling about it in about the ca- about in the Catholic- this other Catholic school that God, I ended yeah. up going to. Mm-hmm. Um, just rumors about anywhere that wasn't it's, Trinity. It's was, all us against them, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. the whole us against them mentality. Well, I you, just when you isolate people like that, you know, they do crazy things. Yeah, 
Well, I mean, children too. Like children. you're not a fully formed human being yet. You yeah. can, you know, manipulate your mind any way you want. And that's why so many, I mean, if you look at the staff of the school today, mm-hmm. I would say probably 70 to 80% of the staff are parents who were never trained as teachers. They're just parents that when a teacher leaves, the school says, mm, we can pay them nothing. Um, sometimes literally nothing. And it's former students, people who were really indoctrinated by this program um, and came back. And they just want to help and do the right thing and be a good little soldier and volunteer and and disciple. disciple. They're so abused for it. They really, I mean, the the abuse that goes on financially and emotionally for these teachers is is horrifying. That's too bad. I... I just want to thank you for sharing this story. 100%. I am so happy that I get to talk about this. And it's just, it's a it's a testament. I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> Do it. I think I'm going to get emotional. It's just a testament to like your character and how like open and loving and fun and amazing you are that like, I just can't believe you went through that. Mm-hmm. I really can't. And I did not expect to cry right now and I can't believe I'm crying, but thank you. Thank I you so it. much. You're welcome. Um, I just hope it was cathartic for you and thank you. That's all I yeah. gotta say. It's no. like, it's just kind of breathtaking to like listen to all of this and I just can't cause you're my friend and I care about mm-hmm. you. And I just think about like, you as a little boy having to deal with all this and it's just is really awful and sad, but it's so amazing that you guys overcame it and you know, you're to get your, is your family okay now? Like, I mean, I assume that you guys did your, you went through therapy and have gone, you know, but I, I just, you seem to just know who you are now and you seem so comfortable in your own skin mm-hmm. and you don't give a shit about what <laughs> anybody thinks of you. And I just want to say, how amazing that is. Well, so thank, thank you. you, Sam. Um, I will say it's it's something I struggled with for a really long time. And yeah. there's been a lot of <laughs> sadness that comes with it, a lot of depression, a lot of pain. Um, but and it's taken a lot of work. Um oh and that's the thing, it's like there is I don't think anyone who's come from this sort of background, um, there are some that I know of that are far more intense than mine. Um, you just in my group of friends now. How old are you now? I'm 25 now. It's so only, been, been, it's only been 10 years. And like, it's just, I don't know. That's It's taken, but it's taken a lot of really intense work. Yeah. And, and self-evaluation and seeing, um, now that I'm out and I can see the world around me and saying, that's not who I want to be. That's right. not the kind of person I want to be. And taking the time to educate myself. Good for you. And understanding why I believe what I believe um, and why what I taught what I was taught was wrong. Yes. Um, particularly in regards to race and sexuality and human beings. Just being yeah. just being a human a loving human being. Yeah. Um that's really at the core of who I am, is wanting to just give a lot of love to the people around you, me. You exude that. Don't like there's no you. question that you are that person. And I know when anybody experiences a, like severe emotional trauma or abuse. As you grow up, I, I can say firsthand because I've experienced that in my past, it rears its ugly head sometimes and you have to kind of like finagle and deal with it again and like, okay, I'm this age now and I'm, I know this about myself and just it's, I'm sure like as you age, because you're so, you're still a child basically. I know. Um, you, you, you have the tools to deal with that. So mm-hmm. I'm so glad 
to have have had this conversation with you. So thank you very much. I am so honored that you gave me the space to have this conversation. (laughs) Seriously, I have never really had any sort of recorded in any way documentation of my experience and so this is the first there may be more who knows with as talented as you are like i could see you writing a book about this (laughs) i honestly could i just i i think we're gonna wrap up here but i just i wish you the best and i'm thank you so much sam sam meyer sam meyer so wow that was intense wasn't it okay so this has been (laughs) things get dark and things got dark but I think this is like the most uplifting episode that we've had so far. Um, You can reach us on thingsgetdark at gmail.com. Any questions, complaints, comments, concerns. Um, Sam is part of a very uh, hilarious duo started as improv, but I think it's, we, they, they actually have a two man show that I've seen and it's amazing. Um, their group is called The Gay Agenda. It's We're a multimedia the, experience. Multi, yes. And they have a web series on YouTube. Check it out. The Gay Agenda um, on all social media platforms. So thank you so much and we'll see you next time. Bye. This has been a production of Hearsay Studios. Wait, what?